Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. Uh, you know, pretty much just chilling here again in a classic little graphic band tee and some Lululemon Align shorts, not sponsored, but they are the freaking best like shorts on the market. I just also love a good band tee. Uh, love love some Fleetwood Mac. Um, you know, would play would pop in a little bit of some Rihanna or something, but we got copyright issues. And no one it's not a singing channel. You don't want to hear me sing karaoke. <laughs> We're just gonna shift this into a karaoke channel. Um so if you're new here, um or if you're just uh, joining us, you know, for the first or second time, I read about five or six books a week and then this is my little corner of the podcasting youtube internet world where i get to blabber on for a little bit and talk about them and recommend them to you um last week was a very very special episode i was joined by my former professor tony magistrale um tony is a stephen king horror expert um i didn't mention this in the podcast and i should tell him but i remember i think um there was like a freshman orientation or like a freshman no it wasn't even i don't know if it was either an orientation no i think it was sort of one of those like intro to the college like i got into university of vermont I was pretty sold on wanting to attend. So it was, yeah, like admitted students day. And I knew I was going to study psychology. Um, and so that was in the College of Arts and Sciences. And Tony teaches English at the College of Arts and Sciences. And at the time, I think he was teaching a course about vampires and something with gothic history. And he just talked about that. He might have even been the chair of the English department at the time. I know he used to be. And that really just like inspired. I was like, oh, we can like learn about cool things in college. Like we don't have to do algebra. Um, and you know that wasn't exactly what sold me. You know, but I do want to give him a little bit more credit. And then through that, we you know we became close friends. I took two of his classes and was always so engaged with his work. I've kept in touch with him um, to see what he's working on. He anyone who loves horror and loves you know is, is so passionate about such a specific topic. In this case, Stephen King. Like I'm always a fan of. I learned so much from him. Um, I learned a lot about Stephen King. I learned a lot about the American Gothic oeuvre in general. Um, so if you haven't checked out that interview, he has a new book out, Stephen King and American History. Um, so like I said in that interview, even if you are you haven't read any Stephen King, you're unfamiliar with his work, this might be a great place to start. Um, it is an academic text, but it's very readable. It's very um, palatable, but it is, it's packed with a ton of cool analysis and information on Stephen King that we haven't heard before. So that interview will be linked below. Make sure you check it out. It's a longer episode. Um, we talked for a little bit under an hour and then we caught up a little bit offline after. And I mean, I could have talked to him for like hours and hours, but I figured, you know, got to keep it a little bit concise, but it was super fun. I mean, I haven't, I've engaged with him, like I said, a little bit on Facebook and emails and whatnot, but I haven't really talked to him and especially in such an academic discourse um pretty much since i graduated you know even before then that was over four years ago so it was really nice to revisit those roots um, i'm hoping to get more special guests if you are an author watching this or listening um and even if i've already talked about your book or you know i haven't i would love to hopefully bring in more authors um and bring in more people just you know i'm passionate about reading and i want to share their works and i will you know it's always best to hear it directly from the source themselves like I can tell you how great it was as a reader, but I'm not the one who wrote it. So to hear it, you know, from the mouths of babes. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that was just a really nice blast from the past revisit. Um, it's always, you know, 
I enjoy interviewing people. I enjoy talking to people and learning about their crafts. But especially when you, I have a personal connection, it just really, um, you know, brings brings some joy to my otherwise dark and cold and dreary heart. I'm just kidding. I'm not, you know, Edgar Allan Poe. But anyways, today I am once again cheating and I'm bringing you six books, but I'm going to tie two together again. Um, so without further ado, let's get started on the first one. Um, the first one is A Children's Bible by Lydia Millet. Um, this is kind of like, it definitely has like Lord of the Flies meets the leftovers. Um, I, you know, it's the best way to present something new is to present it as something um, that's two already existing things that people are pretty familiar with and then to be like but this is a new spin on it so there's a group of teenagers um they're with their families in this weird like you can already tell from the beginning of the book that something is weird it's not necessarily post-apocalyptic but it's definitely sort of like this is a big moment before something is going to happen you know it's the calm before this the literal storm in this case um a children's bible i mean there is a literal children's bible in this novel i won't really get into the significance of that but it's just it was very it was a departure from a lot of more dystopian revelatory things that i've read it was very you know grounded in the minds of these teenagers who were the ones acting like the adults and the adults are the ones who are really the teenagers and the kids um, are acting like kids. And then to have them experience this sort of crazy flood and how that impacts them and heightens things and then how the world is looked at through, um, we stay focused even though there's these larger things happening in the world um, and larger sort of uh, catastrophic events we really stay focused on this group of teenagers and children um but it is there's enough references and sort of um groundedness in the present day too which where it's not so like singular in time like it really has a very 20 you know not necessarily 2020 but like a late 2000 late 2020s you know what i mean um feel so that was it's also relatively short i think um 224 pages so a really good amount happens it's a good it's not you know necessarily just a slice of life and here's my train of thought like it really there's a clear beginning and middle and end it's you know a little more cinematic um so if you want something a little bit more fast-paced but also still very well written and fresh and modern um i've written read quite a few other lydia millette books i haven't read all of them um so if you do read this or you're familiar with her work this is definitely one to check out um, so the next two that we're going to cheat with, um, the first one is called Wandering in Strange Lands, A Daughter of the Great Migration Reclaims Her Roots by Morgan Jerkins. Um, Morgan Jerkins is a young black author. I believe she is in her very late 20s, like 28, 29. Don't quote me on that. Um, I read her first book, This Will Be My Undoing, which just explored her identity to her race in the larger socioculture sphere. Um, since then, I followed her on Twitter. She's got a ton of, like, deep academic intellectual thoughts, nicely balanced with, like, 90 Day Fiance live tweeting, which I am so all about. So even though I, do, I don't know her, I follow her on Twitter, and I like a lot of her tweets. Um, so reading this book, um, which is deeply personal, I feel like, you know, whatever someone presents on Twitter is definitely not, you know, who they are fully in real life. But I feel like I know... A little bit, or, you know, the version of her that she presents to the outside world. And so through this already deeply personal story, I already feel like I had a background with her and got to know her. 
So this book um, deals with her exploration of her family history and her family background, dating all the way back to her great-great-grandparents who were sharecroppers. Um, Like I said, Morgan Jerkins is a young Black contemporary author living in New York City, um, very, at the time of this what, she, what started this book is kind of very distant from her roots and very – her mother and father were divorced and have very different families. And through writing this book, she realized that she didn't know anything about them and she didn't know, you know, her own history. She didn't know the his, the larger history of black people. Um, she really – the way that she explores it is, you know, near at the time of this writing and in her most recent life, like she – New York City is her home and New York City has grounded her. But for black people, historically, they have migrated so much and they haven't ever been able to feel rooted in concrete. So she goes all the way back to, you know, the slave trade and even before that and when Africans were displaced from their homes. And then she traces her own personal history um, through her father and her mother's family, which are very different. Um, One's in like the deep south and one's in sort of like Midwestern Ohio. Um, There's also a really great bit at the end where she ties in her own personal journey and um, a sojourn to Los Angeles, which didn't end up working out, but was still very formative in her life. And, you know, like, I that's something that you don't really learn about someone through Twitter. That's something that she revealed about herself and shared and opened up her own personal story for us. Um, and it's just really, I mean, it's timely, of course. It's when is it not timely, but it's just, you can tell the amount of passion and love and just to let someone so deeply open up their family history and we go alongside that journey with her, literally a journey. I mean, she's driving herself and she might occasionally, you know, she meets up with tour guides and local people of those areas, but she's not, I mean, she's in a journey, she's coming in, you know, not with a journalism aspect, but really, you know, with a memoir heart and with uh, care and passion for these people that she's writing about. Um, so that one is fantastic. I also recommend checking out her other book and following her on Twitter for some fun takes. Um, and kind of tied along with that is um, Cast the Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, so this book is a nonfiction look as it says, into the history of caste. I mean, that's a word that is typically really only associated with India. Um, there's a caste system there, which is very rigid. Um I think it's broken up into five or four different categories, and there's the untouchables, and it's pretty much, it's even larger than class. It's cast is really, you know, you're born into it, and it's something that's very hard to get out of. Um, So she explores the Indian caste system, but she also uses it um, as a comparison for the German Nazi Um, regime and American South slavery. And so, of course, that ties into wandering in strange lands, um, looking at Black people as a caste and race as a caste system that separates us and how that has permeated through the years, how that has affected different groups of people and how, you know, we'd like to think that we don't have a class system and we don't have a caste system, but, you know, and we look at India as something that's so foreign and crazy. And, you know, the same thing is happening in America. And she also, she's just very, it's, it's research intensive, but She's very, she's very clear about her arguments. She's very, you know, it's uh, some of the stuff is definitely not mind blowing, but to see the way it's presented and then the way it's compared to other worldly things is eye opening. Um, you can, um, it's just, it's very, it's sweeping, but clearly, like every, you know, despite some of these things that she's talking about that have happened, you know, two or three hundred years ago, or even more, like it's still so relevant today you know more than ever she ties in some personal experience but this is definitely 
more solidly like nonfiction research as opposed to Morgan Jerkins, which definitely has tons of research and heart, but that's much more of a memoir journalistic piece. Um, and they both touch on similar topics, but it, you know, so that's why I wanted to put them together, but it would be remiss to say they were, you know, the same type of book. Um, they're definitely, they touch on similar topics, but they're each worth a read. They're each worth a look. Um, you know, if you only have time for one, you know, whether you prefer more of the personal journalistic investigative microcosm or looking at the larger macrocosm throughout history um, and exploring different cultures besides um, the cultures that exist in our own culture that we don't know about. So that is cast. Um, and let's see. Da, da, da. Next, we have Good Morning, Destroyer of Men's Souls, a memoir of women, addiction, and love by Nina Renata Aaron. Um, for some reason, there's a lot of memoirs and nonfiction in this. Um, again, we're just at the mercy of the library roulette. All of these came, I either had holds on them or I, even though I have holds on like 20 books at a time, I like to just kind of scroll through and see what's available because for some weird reason, sometimes books will be available that I have holds on, but they haven't given them to me yet. So like I said, it's roulette. And then when you do hit that roulette and you find a book that maybe you didn't, I didn't have on hold yet or was still on my to be read yet and it's readily available. I'm like, Ooh, so I mean, I do typically like to, I have no qualms with reading, you know, three or four nonfiction books in a row, but I do like to sprinkle in, excuse me, a little bit more fiction now and then. This episode, as I'm learning and talking, seems to be pretty nonfiction heavy. And that is just what it is. I think, you know, that's the, you know, the beauty of nonfiction. That was, again, there's just like fiction. There's so many avenues that can be explored. Um, so Nina Renata Aaron's book um, is kind of a nice uh, in the middle, if I were to you know place it, going back to Morgan Jerkins and um, Cast, which was by uh, da, 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 Isabel, which I already closed the window, and I'm sorry, so I forgot her last name, but it will be linked down below. Um, and so Nina, um, this is part exploration into the temperance and Al-Anon movement, um, but it really only resonates because of her own personal experience with addiction. Um, she is not an addict herself, but um, throughout her life, both her older sister and long-term partner are seriously affected by addiction. And of course, that plays into her. Um, she really, she deals with codependency, which is just as crippling and invasive as the addict and the addiction themselves. Um, so she looks into that. She's very personal. She's very raw. Um, and then that's tied in nicely with just the the role of codependence in the larger scheme of things, um, the role of temperance and women um, as alcoholism was on the rise sort of when the temperance movement began. Um, it's really, it's, it's written, like it's like it, the memoir parts are what stick out to me more. I mean, it's definitely not, there's a lot of research and well thought out ideas that go into it um, that don't pertain to her but everything is written with the intention of this this is how I got to where I am today and there's a long history of other women and other people like me and you're not alone and also like my experience was painful and rough and that doesn't mean that I'm not still growing and learning from it, but I want to share that experience with others. And through through this sort of unique method, I think if it had just been a memoir, it might not have had the same gravitas because, um, as she notes in the book, there really isn't a ton of contemporary literature and memoirs and personal stuff about codependency and from the perspective of the person who doesn't, you know, 
personally suffer from addiction but is still just as affected by the trappings, by the up and down, ups and downs of the cycle and, you know, addicted to the addict and how, you know, it's not so easy. It's easy just to say if someone's an alcoholic or an addict and, you know, being ridiculous to you, just, you know, just walk away. And it's really, it's not that easy. You know, the relationships that you form with these people and it's a disease and you want to help them. Um, so she really unpacks a lot of interesting ideas and her own personal experiences add a nice balance and weight to that. Um, so definitely check that one out if you're interested at all in sort of a deeper, darker personal experience marred um, with or filled, I guess, with larger historical context um, that just leave, you know, it's it's also like oddly uplifting too, because it just goes to show that no matter how dark or how rough people's journeys are and the things that you hit along the way, like there is some peace and sovereignty. And also it lends some cadence to the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily a start and a finish, like lives and especially the lives of addicts and those who are um, personally close to them are, a, it's a day by day, you know, ongoing struggle, not a struggle journey. And the destination might never be found, but just being along for that ride and being there is really, that's the best part you can do. Um, so check that one out. Next, we have Life Events by Carolina Wachlawak. I'm butchering that pronunciation, I'm sure. Um, but again, it will be linked below, as is everything else. Um, so we got a classic woman, Evelyn, who's kind of just, you know, she's got a shitty husband. She's about to get divorced. Her life is kind of all over the place. And then she finds this weird job position. Um, she's unemployed, um, helping, you know, with end of life care, helping people end their lives who voluntarily want, you know, if they have cancer or some sort of debilitating disease and they want to take on their life. So she's an end of life caregiver. Um, and so it's very, I want to say it's, it's like a little bit Charlie Kaufman-esque. It's a little bit, you know, it's not satiric. It, it's satirical. It has, you know, layers of strange, absurd surreality to it. There's definitely no magical realism, but, um, also in California in general, like end of life caregiving is not a legal practice. Um, so it kind of delves into the craziness of what that would look like if it were to be a little bit more established and real and underground. Um, she, the people that she meets and does end up, um, working with for her end of life caregiving are vastly different and wild and just like very well, created they are like a wacky cast of characters but so morbid that these people are terminally ill and she's helping them die um and then her own life is very like messy and of course you know she's an end-of-life caregiver so naturally you know she's not terminally ill but it's there's parallels to her kind of going through a metaphorical death with her divorce and her life and getting restarted it's all set to the nitty-gritty backdrop of los angeles but a los angeles that is very you know mundane and you know maybe Evelyn moved there with dreams in mind or whatever, but it's not the sort of Los Angeles with the glitz and the glam and the aspiring or established actor. It's like someone who's just trying to get by and like just trying to like live their life and they find this like weird niche job, but it's, you know, these ultimately these people are also, they have a strict process where they, where they, um, they choose what, you know, it's not they're not murderers, they're not, it's assisted death. You know, these people have terminal illnesses, they are in extreme pain, and there's a very prolonged process to help them. But it, no matter what, it's, you know, in a way, you're a hero, you're helping these people, but it's still death, and you're still helping someone die. And so it's macabre, but it's written with uh, 
a little bit of hope and not necessarily optimism, but realism to it. Um, and it's really, it's well done. I mean, all these books are well done, but I think this one in particular is very like, you know, this is a great contemporary fiction novel that a lot of people can relate to. And it's realistic fiction with a, just that little tinge of like weirdness and something about this is like not fully the universe that I recognize um, to make it interesting and spicy enough. Um, so that's that one. And then lastly, we have This is Major, Notes on Diana Ross, Dark Girls, and Being Dope. Um, so this is just a bunch of personal essays, like the title says, about being a black girl. And it's really great. I mean, blackness and her race is discussed, but it's nowhere near the, uh, the I don't want to say intensity, because I think it would be remiss to sort of, you know, comment on as a white person how... Um, know race I think it's just we're getting into touchy stuff I'm sorry but stuff where it's um you know it's not so much research based it's very personal it's very memoir based and it's very about what her blackness means to her um there's lighter essays um like notes in Diana Ross um how seeing Diana Ross in the whiz like really inspired and created this hero woman and role model for her to look up to that she didn't see in media and how Diana Ross herself was kind of played throughout media. Um, there's also um, a bunch of essays about growing up as a black girl in a predominantly white community. And instead of kind of, you know, trying to, they try to assimilate as best as they can. And what that's like when as you grow older, you learn that maybe that's not the best way to go through life, especially as you're exposed to other people of other backgrounds and you kind of question, you know, why did I have to assimilate and why did I feel like I had to fit in? Um, even though she grew up in the South in Kentucky, she did lead a very sheltered life. Um, and that comes into play in a lot of these essays, essays. Um, she also just, there's a really great essay about like not being Twitter famous. And like, I totally relate to this where it's like, no matter how hard you try and like how cool you think your tweet is, like you put it out into the universe and you're like, cool, I got like one like. And she talks about how she literally like paid for one of those services where they will have like the bots follow you. So your numbers can go up because all the time, I'm like, how are these people getting so many followers? Like they're tweets are not that good um and literally even the bots will not follow her tweets like for some reason they're not engaging so like there's a level of humor to that but there's also like a deeper level behind that um so it's really just a great balance of like dealing with these deeper darker issues which are not always brought to the forefront in a more casual manner i think that's what i was trying to say earlier is it's very casual and cavalier but still powerful it's not necessarily presented with the here's years and years of research. It's like, I guess the research is just, you know, Shayla's life. Like, <laughs> um, and they're all like really well-written and they touch on little everyday things, but also larger things. Um, and it's, I mean, Goodreads is saying, you know, it's similar to Morgan Jerkins and Samantha Irby and Roxanne Gay. And those are all authors that I adore. And, you know, clearly Morgan Jerkins was even featured in this. And it just happened to be that both of their books became available at the library at the same time. Um, so that is the sixth one. Um, that is it. Again, the audio cut out. I moved my hands too much. Um, Jason, my boyfriend slash producer, I am sorry when we are editing this, but I think it was towards the end, so it should be okay. Um, so I hope you check out one, two, three, four, five, six, all of the books. Um, there's something for everyone in here. Um, make sure you are following me on Instagram and Goodreads so you can keep up with what I'm reading all the time. Um, 
if you know i'd love to know what you're reading so comment below or message me i'm always looking for the newest fun book to read um and i think that's everything energy's a little weird in this one i mean it's recording on a sunday instead of a saturday so maybe that's it who knows but i didn't want to let these books slip through the cracks so here we are um and until next time stay reading guys